With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy Friday. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. He is Nate Bauer joining. It went so well last week with Nate that we brought him back for Fridays. And this time we're live here on YouTube talking about Penn State versus Indiana coming up tomorrow at noon. But we're really not talking about Indiana. We're talking about Penn State, where they need to approve. Obviously, you read the title of this if you clicked on the video. So, you know, we're talking about the Penn State offense and where they can improve. Uh, Nate. Off the top, you listened to James Franklin's press conference yesterday. I know there are some interesting things that came out of that press conference, his radio show uh, mm. Thursday night. Any interesting nuggets you want to share with the crowd and uh, where they can go find all of the nuggets you pulled out of what he had to say last night on, on Thursday? Yeah, he actually, he actually had a few, a few things that I thought were interesting. The first being... He kind of started the show talking about... Somebody asked him about Bo Perbula, and yeah. look... Uh, let's not dance around this, right? He gets, he gets asked about Bo Perbula pretty frequently. Yes. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's just so uh, predictable. Isn't the right word because I mean, we've been through this, right. And is last year, Sean Clifford was a starter and yep. all we talked about was drew Aller and this yep. year, drew Aller is the starter had a tough game obviously on Saturday. And so uh, it, it's not, it's not as though this has been limited though, to just talking about Bo Perbula during mm-hmm. games where Drew Aller hasn't played well. And so the, again, like the actual nugget buried in Franklin's answer was they intend or would like to have Drew and Bo on the field at the same time and believe that that can create uh matchup problems. Uh, you know, this feels performative at this point uh, to me uh-huh. and and i think uh-huh. and i would guess that i guess that you would probably concur with that it, so i'm just it's it's a it's just kind of i don't i don't know if it's ironic it's just it's funny in a in a in a kind of third eye view sense of if you look at the full picture uh there's a lot of opinions about how to fix the offense having both the quarterbacks on the field at the same time is now on the table have both the running backs on the field at the same time is now on the table for a lot of penn state fans get rid of two tight ends have three receivers like you're gonna have 15 people on offense if everyone gets their way it's impossible to have all the people on that people want to have on the field (laughs) it's true it's true look there's there feels to me as though there's uh, like you're saying, there's multiple conversations going on, right? Yes. Because to to mention having Drew and Bo on the field at the same time doesn't mean for a series, right? It or for multiple series. It doesn't right. mean what, talking about getting Bo into the game doesn't mean for for series at a time, right? Like giving yeah. him the reins on the the third series of every quarter. That's I don't think that that has at any point been really what James Franklin is talking about. It is simply, Hey, can we show different looks yeah. that cause problems? And maybe yeah. you get to a point where the, the opponent that, uh, that you're facing has problems with that, but more in my mind to what James Franklin is actually doing or believes he's doing is forcing them to spend the time now, including Indiana, two days before the game to yeah. think about this, to think about that being a possibility. And like the, the real question is, is it uh, because we've, as you said, you know, this is performative at a certain point where James Franklin has talked about this since the off season. Um, yep. And they've had multiple opportunities to throw the kitchen sink at the game plan. And they went with receiver passes, not bringing the backup quarterback on the field. So I, I agree with you, but it does talk about what we're discussing today, which is 
Um, the base offense needs to improve. Let's start from the the bedrock of the conversation about improving the Penn State offense. The base offense needs to improve. You have to run the plays that you're comfortable with and that you think are the foundation of who you are. We are talking about areas where you can augment the base offense in, in a certain sense and uh, bring a more credible balance of threat to the offense, whether that is, and we'll get into all the different ways, because there's very specific things that are the base offense that I think do need to expand. So we're not talking about quarterback, dual threat, you know, double passes. We're not talking about uh, end arounds, jet sweeps, trick plays, because if you die, it's like cake, it's like candy. If you try to build an offense based on cake, you are going to get a stomach ache by the end of the game. Like you have to have some meat and potatoes out there. You have to have some fiber. You have to have your greens. All the things that make up a healthy offense are the same things that like, you don't really want to talk about running inside zone correctly, but that's, that's what it is. Like you got to build the thing from the base up. The, I, the irony in that T Frank is they thought they had that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> To, to a certain extent, they thought that they were a meat and potatoes, right? Run the ball, pass, whatever you're doing. If yeah. you pick up five yards on first down and four yards on second down and convert every third down, which is realistically before that Ohio State game, they were converting 48% of their third downs. That mm -hmm. was 20th in the country. Like that, that was really good. That was a high percentage conversion rate. On yeah. third downs. The issue being Ohio State is a team that wouldn't let them do that. Right. And that's gonna happen again, right? So so that's gonna that's gonna keep happening against better teams. And yep. I guess let's get into it because that's that's what we're trying to fix. I don't want to even say we're trying to fix. These are just areas where I've noticed things and I think there's room for growth in the offense. Which is why I'm happy to be with you, T. Frank, because I, I intend to be educated today. I can't fix it. I know that. Yeah, I, I can't either. I'm just going to, you know, I don't play an offensive coordinator. I just, I am not an offensive coordinator. I just play one on YouTube. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number five. So this is all essentially going to be dealing with a passing game for the most part, um, because I think that's the main area that will unlock the run game so that Penn State will have that credible balance. And James Franklin talked about it on Wednesday when he said, yeah, we're definitely behind in the passing game. Um, that's a fair assessment. So how, how do you bring balance to this area? And we're going to start with number five. This is a minor point in my opinion, because I don't think it's a real problem, but it is a symptom of the problem. And that is pocket poise. Drew Aller has been very poised in the pocket throughout his career. It's not a real problem because I thought for the most part this year, his eyes have been good. His decision-making in the pocket has been good, but there are times where pressure up the middle has affected him even in the Delaware game where he is rolling into pressure so just uh readdressing that kind of like you know if, if getting your tires balanced whatever minor adjustment comes with cars I don't really know I just cars are on my mind this morning because my wife had a deer um so just keep everything aligned right and I think from that perspective just to give a number to that 15 percent of the pressures this year have been 
from the quarterback, like the quarterback drifting into pressure, not seeing hot routes, etc. So that's not a high number, but it is about eighth in the Big Ten. So an area where I think Drew Aller can improve, but also he's good. So the things that we're going to get to next are going to help him with that area, but it's a good base thing to to start with because it's it's just easy to rip the band-aid off and talk specifically about Aller because this is all going to be about making Aller more comfortable is it um is it something that you notice I mean I, I know that you just said Delaware and Ohio State obviously but has this been an every game thing when there is pressure or specifically in certain moments of certain games this year um it, so the problem is, is it's pretty anecdotal, but um, it tends to happen when, first off, the road thing is a real yep. stressor for Drew Aller. Like at this point, it is noticeable the home road splits where he is not as comfortable um, just generally performing. His accuracy is worse on the road, um, you know, by targets, not necessarily just by completion percentage. Um, and, and yeah, so on the road and under pressure. And, and some of that stuff, I think, will fix itself. But that is an area where I think, you know, you get into the mental side of the game. And there's something that I don't understand that I think Drew understands. Like, Drew probably knows his feelings on this and nobody else does. Maybe maybe Mike Yersich and, and James Franklin. But that is something that I couldn't really address with you of the home road split because that really gets into the quarterback psyche. Um, and, and that is kind of, I don't want to say that's random, because it, but it's different for every quarterback, right? Every quarterback has a different stressor and a different thing that pulls their focus away from where it needs to be, which is on the defense and the progression and where your threats are on the field. Interesting. But it can be helped, correct? With yes. number four? Uh, this is where we're going to take a quick diversion. And yes. You all do this to me. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. Number four. Quick diversion from the passing game to talk about the run game. We're setting up a couple of the things later because they're the most important, and I want to get to them at two and one. But uh, outside runs. Fans have noticed this this year. This is absolutely a thing. Um, and the here's the thing, Nate, is this offense, when you go through the data, is actually incredibly balanced. When you look at the overall numbers, even in the passing game, the stuff we're going to be getting to, there are some obvious skews. But if you're looking at uh, against certain coverages, if you're looking at general production, even on outside runs, uh, this is we're talking about outside the C gap and beyond. So outside the tackle, 544 yards on runs that are outside the tackle. But Bo Prabule at the end of the game has a lot to say about that. I think he's got like 170 of those rushing yards. So when it comes down to the players playing meaningful snaps in the middle of the game, Nick Singleton is really who we're talking about here. 3.4 yards per carry on runs outside. That is noticeable this year. It's an area where I think Penn State has been trying to develop him as an inside runner, but it's just it's the it's the it's the decision-making process from the runner and that creativity I think we've been talking about because a lot of the stuff that Penn State runs it is not designed to go outside it is designed to go at the C gap at the most you know and and how you determine that is it, it kind of it depends on place to place right so when you pull you're creating new gaps at the point of attack what do you consider that gap is that the original gap or are you creating a new one and you want to label that as the E gap or the D gap something except you know the technical part of football that doesn't matter they need to get some more runs that aren't between the A and B gap, which is that inside zone, uh, mid zone area. And this is somewhere where Catron Allen, I think, is good, but they can get some more efficiency out of the run game uh, from Nick Singleton specifically. Uh, blocking or hitting it or, or what's the how do you diagnose that? So the, the problem is uh, blocking is what it is <laughs> like. They, you don't have elite pass block or run blocking at the college football level from most offensive lines. Yes, you can point to exceptions. You can point to specific teams. But even them, even they have average runs where everything is technically blocked, but you're not getting the movement and the demolition that you're expecting. So um, I do think it's a little bit scheme. They have some schemes that they've used in the past 
some augmentations to the run game that I thought were really smart. If you want to go uh, check out one of them, go back to the uh, the Minnesota game last year where they were changing the angle of the uh, zone runs and they were breaking some tendencies running to the front side. And what that does is it gets Singleton uh, to the edge quicker where he doesn't have to read as much. It's there's the edge, go run. Like your, your target point is different and and those are some of the things i think that can help him where you're not asking him to make the read you're saying the run is to the outside and whether it's a pitch play or uh people have suggested jet sweeps i i don't really care i do think that the efficiency matters depending on last season they tried to start him out using him in jet sweeps putting him in the slot running him across and and tossing him the football that pop pass but everyone knows that's coming because he's not running a route out there he he's not running a route from the slot so i do think that how you do it is important but also in the end if you're just worried about making the sausage get him some more runs that are on the perimeter where he feels comfortable and confident because that i think is clear that he does not feel comfortable and confident on some of these outside runs or making the decision to bounce the ball to the outside love it i mean it's not great but <laughs> yes um so let's get to number three. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready if you are. Okay. Number three. This is important, but it's not important, Nate. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, this is the whole point of this list is a lot of this is just kind of uh, technical stuff. Like, like I said, their offense is just degrees off in a lot of ways. When you look at the data and you look at how they're performing. Um, situation data, you know, when you really dive down into it, it's not the same, but do you know the difference between RPO and read option, Nate? I would love for you to explain it to me. Okay, good. Because if you were confidently going to say yes, you would be like everyone else on the internet and who use them interchangeably. This is really important. Going back to our conversation at the beginning of the show about Bo Perbula, they are not the same. They are absolutely not the same. So RPO, run pass option. On a run play, the quarterback has the right and ability to pull the ball and throw it to a receiver running a route. On a read option, he's reading a defender and has the right to pull the ball and run. Do you see the difference, Nate? Do you see the important difference here? Is that... Yes. Is, Okay. All right. All right. Because I just want, I want to, I want to hammer this open. By the way, um, I, I meant to say this. If you want to have some conversation with us here on the show, drop it in the chat. We'll be talking to you throughout the show. And uh, at the end as well, if you want to have a conversation about any of these points, but here's the deal. Read option and RPO are still alive in this offense. And RPO is actually something they're doing pretty well with. That was the bulk of what they did against uh, Ohio State. That was the bulk of their positive passes were on RPO. Read option is your problem if you have a problem with this offense. Um, in read option situations, Drew Aller has kept the ball once for five yards. That has been the biggest bugaboo for this team. So if you're in the comments, if you want to say they need to get rid of the RPO offense, please just for my sake and my sanity, it's read option. And they're not using it as much as they have in the past, but they're still using it, and Aller is absolutely not keeping the football. So this is the conversation, Nate. This is the real conversation. Do they? This is where they need Bo Prabula to provide that running element to give them a spark in the run game. How do you do that while keeping Aller involved in the run game? That's the part where I think from here, I don't have great answers. Is he? Is he capable? Yes. Aller? Okay. Um, yeah. In a meaningful way? No. I mean, look. <laughs> but yes, he can get, he can get four. Like here's, okay, sorry, not to cut you off. Efficiency here is what we're talking about. We're not thinking he's going to rip off 17-yard runs. But if you make the right decision and get four where the running back gets two, yep. that's a win for the offense. This this feels in some respect, and look, they're not one-to-ones, and so I don't want to start going down this path, but the, the conversation with Hackenberg for, for two years, really, in 2014 and 2015, was about James Franklin saying, look, this has to happen. We have to have a quarterback, not that can run for touchdowns right, yeah. and, and juke somebody out of his shoes, but you have to present that 
hat on hat advantage. It, it gives the yep. offense the possibility. And so, I mean, I think, I feel like we talked about this earlier this year. It's just, it's just, it's just a crucial key part of feels to me the identity that James Franklin believes in yeah. for his offenses. And if Drew Aller is capable of, of making that read and, and picking up again, like you said, four yards. Yeah. Uh, it feels like that's something that it, it feels like there's a lot of that in this yeah. offense this season of showing the threat that Penn state hasn't done. And so without being able to demonstrate the ability to pull off certain threats, yeah, Defense defenses are are very uh, capable of diagnosing and figuring out what this Penn State offense is actually going to do, not what it looks like it's going to do, yeah. and then and then you know stopping it. There's a little bit of in early in the year, I think when Penn State was using some of these concepts, teams were crashing on the runner. But there there is a certain sense of if you are confident in your defensive line, you can the. Def- Okay, so let me, let me back up. I'm, I'm doing that thing where my, my brain is entering the conversation from two different points. The defensive end that you're reading, or the end man on the line of scrimmage, the person that is you're reading on the read option, is dictating where the ball goes. So if he stays, the, running, the quarterback is to give the football, right? So he's got to present himself like this, like just a square. If he turns his shoulders and attacks the running back, that's the give call. So if you think that you can corral Nick Singleton and Catron Allen in the backfield, you can just always play the quarterback and force the ball inside. And that's where the offensive line, the base offense needs to be better. There's a little bit of that here, but everyone's doing that because they don't really have a, they don't believe in the threat of Drew Aller. So there have been times that Penn State has run stuff that they've had in their playbook for years that, um, you know, inverted quarterback power where the, the primary blocking is for the quarterback, but it's open and, and you're not taking it. So there is a bit of Aller needs to make the decision, even if sometimes it's the wrong decision just to bring that balance. And then there is, you need to make sure that your running game is functioning properly. And that comes back to making sure that uh, JB Nelson is healthy in the interior of your offensive line. I just want to be fair to the offense, the offense in general and Mike Yersich that there are things that they have considered. You know, you yep. look at the balance of this offense, it's balanced in the way it's called, but it's not balanced in its production. David Greeter says, T. Frank and Nate, you guys are the shiz. Appreciate you guys. Not mad anymore. He's back on it. Big Ten <laughs> champs, Penn State and the Lions, but probably not. I appreciate, David, that you have that enthusiasm and hope, but also reality. Like, that's a hard thing to pull off because most people just get mad, Nate. I've seen it for a few, <laughs> for a few days. It's, uh, it's been the seven stages of grief over at Blue White Illustrated, but we're, we're working through it. We're yeah. getting there. Is there anything? Did I make that clear? Because I feel like that was a word salad about RPO and read option. No, not at all. I mean, look, if okay. the if the if the gist is, hey, it, it, four matters to three, right? In a, yeah. in a certain extent, and then three being Drew Aller needing to present himself as a possibility in, yeah. in that segment of the game. It just it hasn't happened this year, and it it uh, it needs to for Penn State to get where it wants to go offensively yeah and this is not trying to take a pocket passer and make him into uh lamar jackson this is just like functionally for the offense uh turning on your turn signal sort of thing like you know oh. here here we are presenting this is what's happening um and, and to me that part doesn't matter as much as the top two and kind of the whole list is built around these top two things because I've spent a lot of time looking at the passing game. And again, a lot of this stuff is balanced in a certain sense with some massive holes. And that's where I want to get to next. Number two. Talking about target distribution, where the targets are going on the football field. And I talked about this early in the week. Uh, Nate, I have been meaning to write an article about this. So some of the stats are going to leak out here uh, just because I just literally haven't had time to get to it this week. But I think that there's some clear evidence that Penn State needs to um, needs to shift the paradigm of what is not a good pass in this offense and what is a good pass. Um, 
this is I'll, I'll I'll play you this. So we're gonna get into some other basic football stuff now. This is gonna be very rudimentary. It's not gonna cover the whole problem, but it's a general thing. If there's one area of the field that Penn State has ignored almost completely, like genuinely shocking, um, we're talking about the seams of the defense. Now this appears in cover three to a to a degree, cover one. And those are the two main coverages in college football. Most of everybody is running one of these three coverages. Now, quarters, where you have four deep players, has changed things and has presented a big problem to Penn State so far this year because I think that's the way the teams are forcing Penn State into a box where they are taking away the middle of the field from the run game and the pass game. But when push comes to shove, cover one, you need your receivers to get away from uh, the, the coverage. But when you're talking about uh, different coverages, including cover three, you need to be able to attack the seams of the defense. Um, but the middle of the football field in general. So let's talk about uh, where the, the targets in this offense are going. The numbers on a college football field, they're about seven yards from the sideline. And here are the number of targets for Theo Johnson and Keandre Lambert-Smith inside the numbers we're talking about like 40 yards laterally including every and then over 10 yards down the field so uh theoretically 90 plus yards theo johnson has two catches for 33 yards and a touchdown over the middle plus 10 yards keandre lambert smith is three of five for 113 yards and one touchdown 72 of those yards came on one play so two plays this season account for a hundred of these 146 yards the middle of the Woo! field, Nate, has been abandoned by this offense. And like when you're talking about meaningful growth, you've got to be able to use the middle of the field because if you if you just straight up don't attack the middle of the field, you get what you get against Ohio State, where they are playing different techniques in man coverage because they don't believe you're going inside. So one of the things on film that I saw was when you play cover one or you play a man coverage, you are trying to funnel the receiver to the inside of the field. So your leverage is to give them the inside because you have safety help in the middle of the football field. You don't want to give them the outside because then they can run deep on you. They can get a step and there's a touchdown possibility. Ohio State was playing with inside leverage, funneling Penn State to the sideline because they knew the ball wasn't going inside. So that's checkmate. For your offense that's like the, to me the biggest thing this is the number one thing penn state needs to change 11 percent of drew aller's targets have gone over the middle of the field so 40 yards laterally over the middle of the box so outside of where you know shallow crossers and stop routes in the middle they aren't using that part of the football field and last year theo johnson had 52 percent of his targets go in this area so they're not attacking the area that made theo johnson a potential breakout candidate this year. So if you're wondering what happened to Theo Johnson, that's what happened. Our, so this is, right, we're always looking for responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. are, the, are the routes there? And what is, what is, I mean, we're not going to be able to diagnose whether or not Penn State is coaching Drew Aller to right. avoid passing the ball to, to those routes. But yeah, it, it feels like, that is a decision ultimately that is his, right? I mean, yeah. is that is that the right read on that? Number one. You nailed it. Ugh. You nailed it. Uh, targeted routes is where we're going to go to with this conversation next. And this is really the issue that you're right. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell what the first read is in a play and it's hard to tell what the nature and this is nate this is the, the what i told you the other day i've been trying to get to this particular answer for about six weeks from james franklin from mike yursich um i haven't had a chance to specifically ask drew aller because i haven't you know when he's on his zoom call i'm usually setting up for james franklin so but like the nobody is going to tell you that answer uh, right. what i can tell you is where the ball is going based on the result and uh, the routes here, just generally, this is going to be a general conversation. There aren't going to be any hard numbers, but hitch routes are the number one route in football. Everyone loves throwing a hitch route. And that is when you run six to 10 yards, maybe if you're aggressive, 15 yards, and you come back to the football. It's, it's the number one route in this offense because they're taking what the defense is giving them on those soft coverages until 
they're not given the soft coverage. So that across college football is the number one route. But beyond that, the top routes are out routes, screens, and running back flares into the flat. So all of those are going laterally or coming back to the quarterback. Nothing in this offense right now outside of some crossing routes, which that's not even determining if that's a shallow crossing route or a deep crosser, and those are two different things. So all of these things are going either laterally or coming back to the quarterback. Nothing is going upfield. You want to give these receivers more yak, more explosive plays. The best offenses I see are getting running, uh, getting the, the receiver running upfield into an open zone. And Penn State, because they're not using the middle of the field, they're not getting any of those opportunities. So that's, that's the most limiting thing in this offense to me is that everything's coming back downhill or going to the sideline. That's not valuable. Like you want to get, you want to get, um, you want to get Nick Singleton and Catron Allen more targets. You're just feeding into this problem in a different area. And are they good enough to run routes upfield? Like Nick is doing a great job learning to catch this year. I don't know that he is a sophisticated route runner yet to generate separation. Now, can can the offense open up zones for him? they need to like that's something they need to be able to do and that is from a schematic perspective but if the quarterback is not throwing the ball over the middle of the field and some of that is a decision then yep. i think this is the number one area i want to see drew improve on uh deep crossers which they have tried to do this year in routes slants slant and go up the seams go routes like we're not even talking about just the deep ball we're talking about things 10 to 11 to 14 yards down the field into an intermediate zone where you're beating the linebacker with the ball so that he is in that open zone. And that's something that Drew Aller has not been confident in doing so far this year is layering the football over players to create those explosive plays. And that was like the number one thing I was expecting out of Aller this year is yeah. that he would have the ability and the precision to do that. What is the responsibility of in your mind, the receivers in, in some of this, in terms of yeah. proficient proficiency, right? Like to, to what extent are, is Mike Yersich limited by the personnel he has there and whether or not, I mean, is, is how does the coverage change? I, I would say right. for those, for those routes, right. I, I mean, is there more, uh, it, it, uh, presumably traffic and with that traffic physicality in, mm -hmm. in the middle of the field that, that they have to contend with and how might that uh, impact it if the receivers that you are counting on are not particularly physical at this point. Yeah. So that's a great question. And that kind of goes back to point number two. Keandre Lambert Smith last year caught uh, 10 passes for 176 yards and three touchdowns over the middle this year. He's got uh, three targets, four targets maybe, over the middle of the football field. And I say that because that was the plan coming in, was to have him in the slot and to run routes full, you know, full field, over the middle of the field, out routes, in-breaking routes, and there has not been any production from the slot. Even when they motion him into the slot, he's running to the outside, out-breaking corners and out routes. So part of that is the offense, but part of that is also... Um, not having receivers on the outside that allow him to play in the slot full-time. So that is something that has to change. That's where you want Dante Cephas. James Franklin said he started against Ohio State. They were supposed to have their fastball in that game where he was the guy that was going to help get open and bring stress to the outside of the offense so that Keandre Lambert-Smith could be on the inside. Now, of course, when they play 12, that all changes. When they have two tight ends on the field, that all changes. But yes... If you're going to run away from somebody in man coverage and get over the middle of the football field, which is a great way to create these plays, they need more guys. And I'm including Theo Johnson in that to get open. Like you have to create separation. He has not been creating the same level of separation because teams are playing him in man coverage and the, he has not been the, the mismatch weapon that you had expected. Tyler Warren has been doing a great job in those areas. So part of that is to Drew throwing the ball into a contested catch situation and having some of that trust in the receivers and not trying to find the perfect open route. Sometimes the defense is taking things away from you for a reason. So that's an area where I think man coverage, we're absolutely saying that's correct. But then the threat on the outside isn't there, right? So the from a schematic standpoint, it is, but you're not afraid of any of these receivers breaking tackles and getting big plays at this point.
So you can crowd the middle of the football field. So it is a bit of like, yes, there are issues that are causing this. But at some point, you got to break through by just being better than the other team because you've got talented threats that can, with their skills, physically talented threats, make plays for the offense. And the quarterback has to throw it, and the receiver has to get open enough that the quarterback trusts that the throw is going to be not an interception. It it feels in some ways like this all ties back to your your question of having to be a team that can do everything right versus mm-hmm. just just being what it is because my, my question with this is can, can they can they win games if this if the five points that you just laid out are not achievable for this team uh all five or some of the five i, I don't know a, I, I, yeah yeah that's that's right? a great like, point because like yeah they won't get all five of these they won't and and the the idea of being a perfect balanced offense is not going to be attainable um but these are any of these areas of growth will help the running game and it will help open up things and cause defenses to pause when they uh, are running the the game plan against Penn State. That's that's the thing is like there's a book out on Penn State. You can play soft coverages and attack downhill, whether that's man or like a cover four match system where you're just triggering downhill. That's another thing that I think is just crazy this year. Teams are playing with a safety essentially as a free defender in the box. And that guy has a responsibility to cover one of Penn State's tight ends. And they have not beat anybody over the top in those situations this year. That was like a feast idea at the beginning yeah. of the year with Theo Johnson going down the seam. So I think if you're talking if you're talking about the number one thing this team needs to do, they need to find a way to crack the middle of the field. Because yeah, they're running routes over the middle of the field. But are they specifically designed where it's like the quarterback, you're funneling the quarterback's eyes there. And I, I, that's where I'm not an offensive coordinator. I don't know exactly what the plan is, but I do know the result has been Aller has been avoiding the middle of the field, either from a scheme perspective or from a target perspective. So the, the one thing, that's why it's number one, is get upfield with these routes. But yep. if they can't do that, then no, I don't think they, they can present enough of a threat to alleviate the pressure on the run game to then be that balanced offense that's ripping off more explosive runs. So so not to be dire, but like this has to be yeah. fixed. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Theo's fast for a normal sized human, right? Like, <laughs> yes, he's 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 actually fast. So uh, to, to not be able to utilize that to this point in the season. Not great. Right. I mean, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I want to bring this up right now, but this is this is something again. This was going to go into the article that I was going to write, but I'll I'll talk about it right now because I think this is just important to the conversation. Uh, Talking about where the the receiving threat has come from Theo Johnson, 12 targets within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage in the middle of the football field. I don't have the exact number, but it's close to 50 percent. So a six foot six 260 pound tight end who is fast in a straight line but is not necessarily agile you've seen him try to cut right like you've seen him make moves in open space it hasn't really resulted the screen game with theo johnson has not been effective having him targeted so much within that box within the tackle box is not stressing linebackers linebacker like this is the whole thing about the offense and and generally talking about tight ends and running backs and how you have to present certain threats out of 12 personnel. You're bringing everyone to the line of scrimmage. You're bringing everybody into the tackle box. And while that creates one-on-ones on the outside, Penn State is struggling to hit those on the deep ball, right? We, we know that. So where are you going to target those players? If you're targeting the area with all the football players, that is an area where they rally and tackle man or zone it doesn't matter they're all within 10 yards they're all within 15 yards so fast humans are as fast as as theo johnson but if you take him up the field a linebacker who maybe is 6-1 and he's 6-6 you've got a vertical advantage and if they run the same 40 he's got the size advantage so these are the areas where penn state did a great job last year of stressing the seams in the middle of the football field with theo johnson and this is the part i'm most shocked about that that was what I thought was going to be the game plan this year, whether it was yep. with Keandre Lambert-Smith or with Theo Johnson, was go upfield. 
and and that's the part that I don't know where the disconnect is, but it is a disconnect that is going to cause Penn State issues um, against good football teams that can take away the areas of the field that they're just biting at the edges of the field, Nate. I mean, look, let, let's be frank about this. What's the different variable? Right? What, like, is, what, what is it? What's the, it's Drew Aller. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's in terms of personnel. I mean, like so much is the same in, in terms of who they have from a personnel standpoint. But look, I, I do very much subscribe to the notion that when, when, when Franklin talked after that Ohio state game and, and he's done it previously, but specifically after Ohio state about trying to uh, help drew, right. Put him in the best positions to succeed. Yeah. I, I think that there is a reality of, and, and I've been saying this all year, like just letting this kid grow and, and yeah. develop and, and get better. Now it's just a question of, how much of that is where he's actually at yeah. in his development and how much of it is the coaching staff putting restrictors, right? Like put, what's your, what's your opinion back. on that? Well, like, I don't want a percentage, but do you think it's Drew Aller or do you think it's the, the offense that's, you know, where he, what he's being asked to do, you know, because you can also say to the quarterback and, and Drew Aller's talked about this. What are you comfortable with? What's your favorite play? is yeah. something that Mike Yersich has asked all of his quarterbacks, and then he will lean into those things as a play caller. So I guess, what's your opinion on that? Because, uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I have my thoughts. I, I, I think I agree with you, but w do you think it is mostly Drew Aller avoiding the middle of the field? Yes. And, yeah. and, and I'm not sure that I feel, I mean, I've I, uh, certainly you, you, have to turn it into a priority to get that up to speed. If that is in fact, what's, what's happening, right? right. Is look, uh, these are things that have to happen for this offense to unlock its potential and they're not happening. And because they're not happening, it makes it easier to defend this Penn state team. And, yeah. and, and realistically, everybody's suffering for it, right? <laughs> there are there. Yes. Right. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole gist to the, I mean, I wrote it earlier this week that, that w what Nick Singleton and Catron Allen are doing is good. It, like mm -hmm. overall for the, for the most part this season, they've had good, not great years, uh, or at least not to the level that maybe were expected before the season. Right. But that's, that's been kind of the conversation throughout is to open up the op opportunities and avenues for them to truly be at their best, you have to have not just not just a threat, but a demonstrated proficiency at at passing the ball, right? In, yep. in all of these different areas of the field, it's it just it's not it's not um, it's just not limited to a one thing situation. It's that the 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 quality of the the receivers and what's happening with the receivers. I mean, look, James, James Franklin talked about it on Tuesday, running the wrong routes. Right. Uh, not understanding the depth of the route. Yes. All, all of those intricacies that go into, I, I, again, I mean, it's just not a video game. They, they don't automatically do what you say they should do just because you said it. Right. right. And you've got 11 of those on the field at the same time. So it's it's not as simple as just, hey, Drew Aller, Drew Aller, Drew Aller. I, at least I don't think that. But I do yeah. think that his uh, makeup mindset, I mean, he just, he wants to be perfect. Yes. He wants to be, he, he wants it so bad. None of which are bad things like that. Those are yes. good qualities to have. He, he is following in some respects so closely to Sean Clifford's playbook of studying game plans and yep. film and understanding defenses. All of those things are what make drew what he is right now, but also it feels like it's swung too far in that direction. And yeah. you've got to, you've got to try to find a way to get him to pull, not to pull back on that necessarily, but to bring up the side of his game. That is instinctive. Yes. Right? I, like what? Yep. Where, I mean, because that's, he showed it. Isn't that all? Exactly. Right? Like, right. Exactly. There there's, 
And and I, you know, I get I get the sense that Nick Singleton is in some ways in the same boat. That like yep. you've got a bunch you've got a bunch of players that uh, it's almost as though and and I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but it feels like Penn State's mo offensively to me. And this is again like extraordinarily anecdotal and not backed by numbers that I have researched. But it feels like breaking tendencies is like priority number one is that yes. they're, they're tr- they are trying to do the opposite of what is expected of them all the time. Nick Singleton running yes. in the middle, Katron Allen running outside the tackles, right? Uh, those elements that Penn state has done this season. Um, I just, it hasn't allowed them to play uh, or to, or to reach the, the capacity that, that it seems like, that they should be able to hit, but also you understand that look, the, the coaches are seeing things day in, day out of practice. And right. so, right. Can I back up? Can I back up make your point there? Can I back up your point? Uh, and just, again, this is going to be anecdotal and this is going to be an assumption on my part of watching the Ohio state film. So from what I remember last year, um, Penn state used a certain scheme. They, they would use a pin and pull scheme to, to run into the boundary to attack Ohio state there. Right. So that is the opposite of what they did this year, where they would uh, pull, but to the middle of the defense instead of pulling to the outside. And the first run of the game, that's what happened. Like they they showed one thing and then they did the other and they never went and did the original thing. You know, once you get somebody, yeah. once you hit them, you, you have the counter hook, like they never came back with, hey, let's run a pin and pull because it kind of worked last year, too. So yep. you're absolutely right. And I want to get to this point that I've had up here on the screen from Dave. Dave says a lot of this can be attributed to Drew, but it seems like a lot of people are forgetting he's 19, has a lot to learn, and unfortunately needs more time to develop. I think that's fair, Dave, that, you know, he's a young quarterback. And I'm just going to go back to the, maybe this is erroneous research of just basic stats. But five-star quarterbacks are different. We're not talking about Bo Prabula here. We're talking about a guy who has the physical tools and, as Nate mentioned, has the mindset. I'm watching the coverage, and I'm watching his eyes, and I'm seeing him see it. I know he knows it based on where his eyes go and then what he does after that, where he looks after that. The Ohio State game was a breakdown in that, but he absolutely can read coverage, and I probably post-snap better than than sean clifford who kind of locked in right he he was that was his biggest flaw was he knew what was coming until something else he didn't expect happened drew can do this he absolutely like like i i know this is being hypercritical of drew but it's also because i the, the belief in him is there so evolve don't be don't be Sean Clifford. Be Drew Aller, who is a dynamic threat with your arm to hit every part of the field. And that means every part of the field, even where the safety is, right? It, even where they don't want you to go. And I come back to personally, and Nate, this is, uh, we've got to wrap up. I know you got to get going. Um, when he says, take what the defense gives you and make calculated risks, he's not taking any calculated risks right now. Yep. So you've got to force the issue. You are the offense dictates the action because they have the football. So this is a this is a mindset and a philosophical bedrock thing. He is absolutely capable of being a dude that rips up a defense. The the receivers have to they have to help him. They yep. have to get open. But when the moment is there and Tyler Warren is open on the backside of a four vertical, he's the dude that can flip his head and rocket the ball before the safety gets there. He's that dude. So just be that dude. And and that that puts a lot on him to elevate the system. And a lot of this is talking about taking that off his plate, but that sorry, times are tough. You've got to you've got to adjust and teams are putting it on him. So it's got to be on him. And I think that's a fundamental mindset of play to the defense. This is not a team. This is not a program that has ever really played to the defense. They have played offense, and then the defense gets them turnovers. I understand James Franklin wanted to play a certain way because he has an elite defense, but by God, give him some help. And and Drew, I think, can do it. Amen. I, I you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that there's anything more to add to that. It's I I get, and I understand 
the rationale, like, I, I don't want to rehash everything from Ohio State, but that was a four-point game for the majority of the game, yeah. right? Uh, the plan to play that type of game was sound in some respects. Right. What wasn't sound was the offensive. I, I mean, you just, you have to do more. You, yeah. you have to do more than what they were able to show. That's across the board. That's execution up front. That's the receivers. That's true. You name it. We've been yeah. through all of this, but yeah. the notion of, Hey, you can play a minimally risky game and uh, Hey, another one with no turnovers, right? Yep. That's fine. But you have to do, you have to take it at least a step above what they currently are. Yeah. In you have, you have to, you have to push it a little bit. It's not desperation. It's not pushing all your chips for, for one hand. It's just saying, Hey, th this, this has to uh, escalate and graduate beyond yeah. what it currently is because what it currently is, is predictable, not, you're reminding efficient. me you're reminding me of the way i play poker which is to be unbelievably conservative until i have two chips left and yep. like at a certain point you do have to take a calculated risk to to quote the offensive philosophy um c paul king says once again great insight bwi is a must for any serious fan is it possible to call pass plays that only have long options yes but then the defense also knows that and the pressure they have been protecting the offensive line to a certain extent uh, C. Paul King, where you're not putting Caden Wallace, who, by the way, had a great game against JT Tulamolio. I thought he did a great job. There was one play where he definitely held uh, and it wasn't called, but generally I thought he did a very good job. I, he was probably better than Olu, but obviously Olu is seeing more stress throughout the game. But um, the interior specifically, I think they protect from not calling, you know, like I said, four verticals or, or some of the other concepts, some vertical concepts that are only downfield. Um, even when they do, you have to have you have to have a, a check down or some escape in case there is pressure. And and Drew has been taking those. Like that's where those shots have been going. Is they've been going shot play check down. So uh, yes, I, it is. But it's also you can't be so aggressive that you then put him in a different position to fail. Nate, this has been awesome. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate the conversation. You are an absolute treasure at Blue White Illustrated, as C. Paul King said. Oh, stop. Thanks for having me. This is this is fun, and uh, I like doing it. So thanks. All right, I will stop. Coming up tomorrow, uh, 9 a.m., the Penn State Football Tailgate Show, Penn State, Indiana. Um, I love the fact that we got a great crowd today. Let's bring everybody back for tomorrow. Aeneas uh, Hawkins, he's coming. He is going to give you his thoughts. He was fired up this week watching Penn State, Ohio State, so we're going to get his adjustments from the Nittany Lions coming up tomorrow on the show. Till then, we'll talk to you later.